Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Box Office Bingers. And Matt, we have a very special episode this week. What, what's what's going on this week? Oh, man, we are reviewing the long-awaited Tenant film. We've been talking about this movie and wanted to see this movie for so long, and now we finally got to see it, and we're finally going to talk about it. And not only do we have, we're reviewing Tenant this week, we're also bringing back a very special guest, Adrian Whitsett. Adrian, thank you for coming back onto the show. I know you're yeah, very busy. Absolutely. For sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah. So before we get started, uh, we kind of want to catch up with you, see what you've been up to. I don't know if you know, Adrian, but you are our most downloaded episode since we've started this. Really? Yeah. yeah. People, I people doubt that want... has anything to do with me. I, I think it has completely has nothing to do with you. <laughs> I, I think that, and we also, I think last time we were on, we the Oscar nom just came out, so yep. there was a nice mix of all that. And so last time we also heard from you, you were probably weeks away from having a baby, a child. Right, right. And so now we are about, I think, roughly eight months from that since we last had you on. Yeah, so, he, he just turned seven months old um, last year. Thursday and it is uh, a whirlwind as Ernesto knows Um, (laughs) it is it's crazy Um, everything seems very fast Uh, like all of a sudden I just posted something on my Instagram the other day Uh, we were vacationing in Destin last week and he was we don't have stairs in our house we just have a one-story bungalow and he saw the stairs and he figured out how to climb up the stairs Oh, wow. He's never tried it before. And like he made it up to the fifth step. And I'm just sitting there letting it happen until he finally tried to sit down. And if he would have put his butt on the ground, he would have fallen straight back because he just hasn't figured that out. But here he is. Um, So, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. A a lot of fun, um, but crazy. I'm sure that changed your life significantly. Obviously, you know, how does it feel to be, you know, a father and kind of having an extra human in the household that you're always kind of caring for? Yeah, it's wild, man. Um, seven months of, of just, you know, it went from just being my wife and I um, doing whatever we wanted to do to now <laughs> everything being dictated by this uh, little child. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and trying to figure out like just this week, like last night was uh, just a hell of a night. He did not want to sleep. He was screaming, but the three days before that he slept fine. And so you just never know. It's always just, um, sort of a crapshoot. And so our days are, are filled with, um, hanging out with Kai and, and tending to his needs and just, um, enjoying life and watching him grow. But yeah, it's, uh, it's also weird because of the pandemic and just like, we haven't brought him anywhere. I think he's been inside one building in his entire life. That wasn't the pediatrician. Um, yeah. He hasn't been able to see, you know, our friends were doing things like this 
um, yeah. like doing a Skype call or, or something else in order for him to see his grandparents. So it's just been wild and crazy and nothing like I thought, uh, you know, the first seven months of, of being with a kid was going to be like, so a definite adjustment all around. Is that, is that kind of what prompted you to want to leave, to go, to move back to Ohio? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not from, Ohio. Oh, your wife's I family. Up, yeah. I grew up in Nebraska, but my, my wife's family, uh, Emily grew up just outside of Cincinnati in Southeastern Indiana. Her parents still live there. Uh, they're both from Cincy. All of her aunts and uncles for the most part are there. Her sister wow. lives there. And we didn't really have a plan. I thought that we were going to stay with Wesh um, and here in Orlando. And then the opportunity to be able to go back to Cincy and thinking about all the things that have happened because of COVID and not my parents live in Kansas City. Um, and so it didn't really matter where they were going to be. We would, we would try and find a way for either us to fly there or them to fly here, them to fly here. But Florida is kind of crazy. Um, it was yeah. a hot spot for a long time. And so it's right. all these things were coming and it was just sort of right place, right time. And the opportunity opened up in Cincinnati. And it's like, hey, we can be there um, and, and we can be around family in this time when it's really hard for people to get together. And on top of it, um, my the way that I grew up, I didn't have any of my cousins around me. We were always away from our extended family. And Emily is very different. Like her family and the extended family was right there. And we made a decision that whenever we were able to get an opportunity to do that, we would try and get to where more family was. And it just was here. And it just so happens to be during a pandemic. And it's just, right. you know what I mean? It's just all <laughs> wild and crazy, crazy how it worked out. But that's, yeah, it, it could not have been um, a, a more driving factor was to just well, get we're... to family. Well, we're very happy for you, but also very sad to see you go. You were <laughs> you you will be we will be missed in the newsroom in the morning. <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah. it. It's been yeah, a lot of fun for sure. I don't know if we mentioned it, but yes, Adrian, you are leaving us. Uh, you are you know you, you said you were in Orlando for six years. I think you said yeah, or longer than that. Almost six years. Almost, almost six, six years. years. Yep. And and then now you are moving along your career and and mm -hmm. moving to Cincinnati. And, and it sounds like the that family was a driving factor into for that sure. decision. Yep. And then I'm, I'm assuming, are you doing something similar to what you're doing now, like as far yeah, as work-wise? I'll be the main morning anchor um, at the ABC affiliate. It's WCPO in Cincinnati. Um, and, yeah, do that, put stories together. Um, so, you know, same job. Yeah, same just job. Doing, yeah, just doing it in a different city, so. It sounds like it's like can be you know the fact that you're with family more or at least you're closer to family and as well as doing the same thing seems like a win-win situation. Also, like is that can you see that you're more excited to be with the family than actually just maybe like it's more about moving closer to family than it is about doing the same job in a different city. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean the job is the job's super exciting. Um, and you know every time you move to a different place, it's a challenge learning more since I did, I didn't grow up in Cincinnati and I right. I visited there um, a number of times, but I've never lived there. And so the opportunity to go explore a city again, again with family um, mm. and on top of that, get to the way that you learn about a city when you do journalism is different than when you just move to a city for like a nine to five banker's job or something like right. that. You know, you're, you're in the community, you're hearing the stories, you learn you just know more about it. You learn it in a different way. And so I'm excited about that part of it, even though the job is very similar. Um, it's, it will be different and should be a lot of fun. So.
And how do you feel like, you know, with now you, you mentioned before, like with COVID happening and you're kind of moving, you have a new child on the, you know, not on the way, it's already here. Uh, you have a new child right now. <laughs> um, you, you know, you're moving into uh, to, to a new city. There's also still a pandemic going on. So how do you feel like that's like, is that like a, a, a big factor? Not, not a big factor, but like a, like, how are you adjusting to that as far as like how you're doing your job and kind of adjusting to, to the new way that we're living right now? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Like I just put together a piece for, um, a, a special, our second, um, uh, project community crusade for change. Um, we're, we've got another one coming up next week. And so I'm putting together, uh, what will basically be my final story at WESH. Um, and I recorded everything, all four of the interviews that I did via zoom, um, from the comfort and safety of my house Right. Um, the person who will end up editing the piece, I believe, is working from his home right now. I mean, all that's how we're getting through the pandemic, even though I'm in the building every day now, which is a lot different than it was in March and April and even parts of May when we were doing one week on one week off. Um, now I'm there Monday through Friday, but I'm not out like the rest of our reporters are, which, you know, where you're out and sort you're not mingling with everybody. It's just not the same sort of interaction, but you're out there. You're out there in masks on the street. Um, being an anchor, it's a little bit different in that I can tell the stories um, in the same way that everyone else is connecting right now over using the Internet, using some sort of virtual space um, to still be able to tell those stories. So I don't feel, at least in the way that that I've had to gather stories and do my job, it hasn't that's the only real change is that I'm not out and about with, right. with a photographer and, and out on the street sort of thing. Um, going to another city to do it will be a little bit different in that same vein in that I don't think I'll be out as much as I would have been normally. Um, but it's also Cincinnati and there's less people than here in central Florida. They have fewer cases than in central Florida. Um, it's just a different sort of area. And so um, I think it would be different if, if it was reversed, um, right. because it, it seems like Florida, I mean, it seems when we look at the numbers that everything is sort of tapering off, that it's been pretty steady. The positivity rate has been relatively low. It was like down in the fours, um, in the latest rounds of testing, which is great to see, but I could imagine trying to make a move from Cincinnati to Orlando where Cincinnati had relatively few cases. And then all of a sudden you look at the case count in Florida and thinking a completely different way about it. So I'm grateful that I'm going the other way and moving right. to an area where it seems like there yeah. are fewer cases. So I do also feel like during this time, like you guys as journalists are really can like hate during this time more than ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. how are you, how are you handling that? And have you been able, have you received any of that? Like not even just personally or even as a station? Yeah, I mean, I think as a station, um, there has been stuff that's coming in. And a lot of it is, is the same sort of, um, I guess you would say, partisan divide that you see with most things these days. Um, and so we'll end up getting emails or calls, uh, and they come in from from either side of the political spectrum or sometimes not just apolitical. And it's like, well, what, you know, you told this story and that's not what this person said. It's like, we literally just ran tape of what somebody said. Um, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't doctor it. We didn't do anything to it. We just put it out there. Um, and so it is a finer line these days, not only with 
um, the coronavirus, but with politics, with everything, it's just a more charged sort of atmosphere. Um, but it's been that way. My, I've been doing this job for 13 years, and it seems like every year there's something else. There's always right. something. This year, there's just a confluence of so many other things, <laughs> oh. um, and they're all happening at once. And so it's um, it's interesting to navigate. Me personally, I have not felt um, I haven't felt attacked personally. I haven't received you know hateful mail and, and things like that. Most of the responses that I've gotten. Um, and more specifically to like the race special that we did, um, earlier in the summer, um, they were all positive. And so I know that, that some of our other colleagues got more hateful things, but fortunately for me, I didn't, um, I don't know if it, it, that the reach wasn't out there as much. If people just feel more inclined to go to other people's social media, I don't know. Uh, well, Adrian, thank you uh, for, uh, again, coming back onto the show. Like, I know you, like, we just listed like a lot of things you're kind of busy doing right now. And you appreciate kind of just making one last effort to come and talk to oh, us of about course. movies. And you know, we, we do wish you, you know, the best of luck. You know, we, we still have a couple of days with you in the newsroom. Uh, yeah, but, almost a week. A little, almost a week. Yeah, yeah. A little more than a week. Yep. But it will definitely not be the same without you. That's for sure. <laughs> So appreciate that, guys. Uh, so, yeah. So as we uh, continue on, we're going to move over to just we have a little bit of news to talk about this week. Uh, Adrian, as you already know, Warner Brothers decided to delay Wonder Woman yet again. It was supposed to be out in in, uh, in June, I believe. And then they pushed it back to October 2nd. Now they decided to, re- to push it back to December 25th, which is on Christmas Day. Uh, it's speculated the reason for this delay is to due to the lack of theaters being open in major cities like Los Angeles, New York and San Francisco, as well as due to the mediocre box office numbers from Tenant, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, Tenant right now is currently sitting at $29 million in the U.S. that it's made within the first two weeks. And then over internationally, it's made about $200 million. So with that, and, you know, it's kind of interesting now that we are seeing just like all these shifts going on with all these movies. Uh, Adrian, you know, do you feel like this was like a good move for, for Warner Brothers to do as far as like, or just how the movie theater world is kind of going along right now? Just like, we're going to keep pushing it back. Or do you think they should just bite the bullet and just put, put the movies out? I don't know. It's, it's so hard to, to think of that just on like the macroeconomic scale for these huge, huge companies that, that pour, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars into marketing budgets and how much they're paying um, the actors and and the staff that are putting, you know, everything that goes into making a movie. Uh, Because when you're talking about something like 1984, I don't know what the budget is. It's got to be like 150 million, if not more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, you know, and so they, they could put it out, but this isn't 1984 isn't like trolls world tour. Right. And everybody's not under lockdown right now anymore. Like there's no man, there's not really a mandatory lockdown the same way that, that it was in March and April for much of the country. But yeah, if the theaters aren't open and you've got a big budget flip like that, how many people are going to spend the money to do like the VOD at home for a movie right. like that? I, I could make an argument, I think, that more people might do that for 1984 um, than even they would have if Tenet would have gone that way, um, just because, you know, it could be more family friendly. Right. Um, it's mm-hmm. less cerebral, that kind of thing. Um, you could you could pitch it as a, a family movie night on a Friday. Um, but you run the risk of not coming anywhere close to what you 
spent on this movie. Does that right. mean these big tentpole movies are done um, for the next couple of years? I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, you know, we see Disney Plus doing their model with Mulan. We see mm-hmm. Warner Brothers testing the waters with Tenant. You have movies just going straight to video on demand. So there's so many different options that other a lot of studios are taking. It's really hard to see which one's making it a good profit. We know that uh, Trolls World Tour made big on, on you know, the return that they got. But also, like, like you said, we were all kind of mandated to some sort of stay-at-home order. So that makes sense. But now since we have all these options, which one is the more profitable one? We may never know. Right. Or I feel, I feel like it's a movie-by-movie movie basis and how bad do you want to see the movie in order yeah, to get that. Yeah, and how bad the, you know, think about how much of a movie lover you have to be to say, I'm willing to go out in the middle of a pandemic, no matter where you are in the country, and even with all the safety protocols and the mask wearing and you sanitizing your hands and all like it's still you're still having some sort of risk right. just in going to that theater. And so I think a lot of people are just making the calculation that they're like this at some point there's a threshold and there may be a movie that brings them out and then all the other ones just don't. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But. I don't know what else they're going to do. Um, at some point, they can't keep delaying it. That becomes <laughs> right. not an option. As well. Eventually, so, it has to yeah. come out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I guess, as as usual, time will tell on what will actually happen. Right. Uh, but but yes, Wonder Woman 1984 has been delayed as of right now to Christmas Day. So we will see if we see it then or in some time in 2021. Right. And the budget and the budget for Wonder Woman 1984 is 200 million. Ooh, so. Oh wow! Okay, so, yeah, so that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Paying for your bus on, on Christmas oh, Day. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to get you too. Also, you know, another big Warner Brothers film is Dune, I believe. Uh, oh yeah. And yes. that comes out a week before. So like, not if you really want to go to the theaters and see these movies, you're kind of committing to like back to back viewing within a week of right. running into the theater. And some people might not be comfortable with that. So. Right. Again, time will tell with that. But that's all the news we have for you guys for this week. Uh, so now we're going to move over to what you're watching. So, uh, Adrian, we're going to start with you. What have you been watching? Uh, my, We have limited time to of course. watch anything. Um, so when we do have time, recently we've been watching the ultra-awesome Selling Sunset <laughs> <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, it is wonderfully trashy. <laughs> um, and really, really ropes you in. Um, and then we are watching Big Brother. It's just been a staple for us um, over the past few years during the summer to to catch up with Big Brother. And mm-hmm. so that's the you know it's on three nights a week. Um, we don't do the live feeds or anything like that, but we we usually try to watch it um, the day after uh, the day after it's aired and try and lose as, or try and not see as many spoilers as possible as right. we can from from the episode. So out of all the options to choose from, uh, you know, <laughs> hold on, I'm, I'm, there's a there's a good question here. Okay. <laughs> out of I'm just curious, like out of all the options to choose from, like you like you like you said, your options are limited, or like your time is limited to actually watch things. So why choose reality television as opposed to like picking a movie for the night or like maybe binging a TV show? So. Um, binging a TV show is not really an option, um, in the way that our schedules are and in the time that Kai is going to sleep. And so 
if you, you know, we try and put him down around seven o'clock at night and that's when I'm going to sleep to get up for the next morning. It's also when my wife's going to sleep. And so we're not watching TV. So during the day, if we're able to watch, we need something that's quick. Um, you know, Big Brother is sort of the end of the threshold. It takes about 45, 48 minutes or so. The the reality, um, they're like 30 minutes. They're also not something that you have to be super, you don't have to pay super attention to while That's it's fair. happening. So while Kai is running around or doing, you know, doing his stuff, it can just be on. Um, there are also days where we just never turn the TV on. And so, um, yeah, it's just sort of a hit and miss with that. Um, I did watch um, one episode of the new season of The Boys. Oh, okay. Um, but I was only able to do that while I was on a break from work <laughs> and on my phone. So it's, you know, because again, I'm not going to just have that on while Kai's around. That show's crazy. You're right. Um, so at, <laughs> um, at some point, I will finish that as well. But yeah, that's really it for right now what is what is your initial take on the boys without giving really giving anything away Mm -hmm. like how's it in the season um it is i forget who i was telling at work the other day it it is less jarring it's just as um grotesque and sort of (laughs) in your face but it it lacks some of the uh zing that it had in the first season. And I think mm-hmm. it's only because we know what, what they're going for now. Like we have an entire um, first season of work to show us what's happening or like right. what world we're in. And so as we drop back into that world for season two, um, there are some crazy things that happened in the first episode, <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it just wasn't, I mean, they were shocking, but it wasn't as shocking. I think as if they would have been the first episode of the first season. And so um, I think it's good, the direction, but again, I've only watched one, so I don't know um, exactly where they go with um, uh, the new member, the new person on the team, Stormfront, I think it is. So, yeah. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, I haven't started the boys yet. I'm kind of giving it. You haven't seen it. Yeah. I think I am waiting for it to be over. And yeah. then and then give it the oh, bit. just go all the way through. You go sure. all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's what I did last time. And I had a more enjoyable experience. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember like uh, I read an article because a lot of people were frustrated that the boys was like doing a weekly model. And the writers and creators of the show said, we feel like that this is a show that's better for a weekly by week mm-hmm. basis. Like you have mm-hmm. some moments that can linger for the week for rather sure. than you like constantly seeing it. And so the, I hits guess they harder. really want that. Ex- yeah. It hits harder. Exactly. And they really want people to have that viewing experience. And as much as I appreciate it, I'm going to wait. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, oh, that's, you know, nice. <laughs> that's the beauty of the streaming stuff. You don't have to do. It's weird when you don't do it in the way the artist intended, right. because it is a different experience. But if you basically just watch an eight hour movie instead of an episodic eight who cares right still getting the full story um you just yeah you just view it differently so exactly Mm -hmm. um all right so uh, ernesto what have you been watching oh i have a lot more on my list (laughs) (laughs) just just a little bit so i want to start i watched the social dilemma on netflix oh my god so did i you did yeah man adrian i'm assuming you haven't watched it i have not seen it i just saw it pop up on netflix 
it is a what a great great documentary like okay just really just go over like what exactly these companies are selling to you and there's this um i don't even know his name matt you, you know the guy with the dreads uh the guy yes yes yeah i know yeah mm-hmm. i don't remember his name if you watch it you'll you'll he's it's a dead giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he says this one quote. He goes, this is exactly what the social media companies are selling you. It says, it's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in our own behavior and perception that is the product. And he just, like, he breaks it down, like, what they're, how, you know, all these suggestive ads, suggestive selling, you know, he break, they break down, like, what the exact goal, their three goals are, engagement, growth, and advertising. Mm-hmm. He even showed how the AI builds, um, they build avatar, avatars of you, the user, and they predict what you're going to click and what you're going to look at. And they run different models to see which one is more correct. And the more you interact with it, the more accurate you create the model. And sure. I don't know, I don't know if like maybe I should have known that, but I don't, it was just really crazy it yeah. was just crazy. It was very mind. It was very mind blowing. I'm sure. I mean, for years they've said basically, if you get something for free online, so an Instagram, a Facebook, a Twitter, whatever it is, that means you're the product. Yes. And it means they're selling you. And so, uh, you know, that's the way I interact with social media is with that sort of understanding. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there <laughs> who have never thought about that, especially no. the younger generation. Like this is right. just part of society for them. So, and the, this documentary is so interesting because it is a, I feel like it's one of a kind. I've never seen it personally before, but they're calling it a dramatized documentary, meaning that yeah. you do have real facts and you do have interviews with people who are working for the industry or used to work for the industry. But then you're all, it's also telling the story within. So like they hired actors, kind of like a reenactment of sorts, mm, they did. but you, but you are seeing another story play out as and you see the rate, the frame rate change and everything. And it's like you're watching a movie and seeing how that particular movie plays out while also been also given this information that is eye opening to you. And so I liked it. Yeah, sort of. I really, I, I I really like the way they did. I really like the way okay. they told the story that way. That's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. Uh, Skylar uh, Gins. Gonzano, I think his name is. Yeah, you know, I can't do good with names. Anyway, uh, he plays Ben in the movie. He was also in The Binge, which we also reviewed. Yes, he's okay. also in Vacation. Terrible movie. Terrible movie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was better in this one, in a documentary, than he was in Binge. <laughs> I literally thought the exact same thing. I said, wow. damn. That movie was so bad, but <laughs> so much better at this, and he's in it way less. Exactly. I just thought it was interesting that they that these companies hire engineers that their job is just to hack the psychology of the users. That that's sure. literally all they use for. You know what's weird? Like I was, they talk about like the the purpose of notifications and how they create these little habits, like the swiping up and you see new notifications and um, kind of like. And how it even spread to like dealing with misinformation. Uh, Adrian, you might know about this. Have you ever heard? I, this was like the very first time I heard about it. Uh, Pizzagate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What it what do you know? Like it's what exactly that is. I don't want to get all the weird. <laughs> no, no, no. It's kind of like. No, yeah. <laughs> so, from what I understand, it was um, it was a conspiracy theory that in this DC pizza restaurant. 
they were running like the Democrats were running a child sex ring. Right. And the reason it became um, a hashtag, like on the way it came into the fore and in the mainstream, instead of just the underground conspiracy was a guy went to this pizza restaurant in DC right. ready to liberate the kids who weren't there. And so it, that it just it blew up. That was like 2016. That was in the yeah. run up to the last yeah, like, election um, and mirrors some of the things that are happening right now. Um, yeah, that is, kind of, that is kind of strange. Absolutely. Yeah, I what I really enjoy about this documentary is that it wasn't having you like it wasn't deteriorating yourself from social media. It wasn't trying. The message was not get off of social media. The message was more like, here's a clearer understanding of what these social media companies are doing. And we should be, you should be aware of that mm-hmm. and therefore either moder- mo- moderate, uh, uh, moderate. Thank you. Yeah. Like, you know, moderate yourself from using it as much and don't rely on it as much. For and sure. like and then here are like some ways they're saying like like the biggest recommendation they had at the end of the documentary was like turn off notifications because the whole point of notifications have you on the app. And once you're on the app, you see the advertising. And so like the social media is selling advertisers you that you are going to be seeing this advertisement as you're scrolling. That's the whole point of this. And For so sure. like so like if you get yourself off of notifications, you kind of go on your own time there and not on their time. So just right. like a whole bunch of other stuff like that. But and then there was also a clear message of like um, during the dramatized uh, parts, there was like these three guys that were simulating your cell phone. And they're like, all right, so he hasn't seen this. We're going to throw an ad up here. And then it was almost like a control room. And you see people orchestrating the inner workings of uh, of this app. Um, and so buying and selling, <laughs> buying and selling. And it's like, Oh, we just, we just made three cents, uh, or like $3 on having him see this ad. Now, uh, let's see, he, he liked this post. So we're going to show him more of like, you know, how this works and how, and act, essentially how in social media can influence the user as well as, you know, and other things that they kind of showed light in this, in this documentary. I thought it was yeah. very good. I, that sounds as good. Saying, yeah. Highly, as highly was saying, agreed, agreed. What else have you watching? Ernesto? Uh, I've also been pushing my way through Room 104. Um, it's kind of it's this really weird show. I don't know, AJ. I don't know if you've heard of it on HBO. I've seen the first, I think, first two episodes of the first season, and for whatever reason, just never went back. Yeah, it's very it's very hit or miss. It's mm-hmm. just a collection of short stories. Of every episode is a new story of whatever happens in this room. Some of them are really good, and some of them I find myself on my phone just like waiting <laughs> for the next one to start. <laughs> uh, but it's still interesting enough to keep me interested. Uh, I will say the finale of season one is by far the best episode. I okay. literally was in tears at the end of the episode. That's how oh good it was. Wow. It was 22 minutes. Wow. That's a, they made me cry, Matt. That's, wow. That's, wow. that's not like an easy thing to happen. Like, you know, in 22 minutes, in 22 <laughs> minutes, they were, they were able to put a story together that emotionally at the end, I was like, I was like, I was like, wow. It's like, it was just very emotional. Very emotional. Yeah. Okay. It was well, good. I, I think the record right now is up for five minutes for me. <laughs> Same. I mean, as soon as that the, you get right past that mark, you're just you, if you're not crying, that's a question. Yeah. That person. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They really knew how to do the heartstring pull in that one. Oh yeah. Uh, also on HBO, I've uh, I started the Vow, the other documentary about Nexium. Um, okay. I was just really interested because um, I was an Allison Mack and Kristen Couric fan from Smallville. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's just crazy to see somebody who I really enjoyed in this show um, was a part of this whole other world in this sex cult. It is where there are Brandon people, Matt. It is a crazy, crazy, crazy documentary. Really? Is it a series? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Right now, and it's not even over yet. There's only four episodes in. Um, I thought it was over, but I think there may be there may be one or two more. Usually, their docs are like five or six. Okay. Or maybe uh, we'll see, but it's it's very good. It's I like I love the way it's put together. It's very informative. They have a lot of footage from them because they re- these people recorded their entire lives. Wow. Like, every aspect of what went on within their organization is pretty much documented. Wow. Documented, like you have actual conversations between people, like text messages. Like it's 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 great. It's wow. really okay. Yeah. That's another that one I good. really recommend. Yeah, very uh, good. Okay. Uh, Ernesto, it says nine episodes total. Oh, yeah, I was wrong. All right, well, yeah. I, guess I may just wait then. I may wait till the. I may wait a couple weeks and get a couple in and just go all for it. Yeah, but there is something. See that there is something about the week to week. Here I am, like thinking about it. Like, man, I can't wait till the next one comes out. Right. So, so certain shows they they require it. Like the boys. Like when we watched Watchmen. Like we were every week. We were talking about. Oh, can you believe how they did this? Like, just really yeah, trying to really break down those episodes. It gives sure. you more conversation, especially when you have other people watching it with you. I think that's the kind of the main thing. And so if you don't have, like, people watching The Boys with you, and if it's just you're doing it solo, then you're more inclined to watch it by yourself. But if you, you know, we walk into the newsroom every day, like, did you guys see, did you guys see Watchmen? Did you see what they did last week? Right, and then you, you right. can have more excitement for what you're watching. Kind of the same thing what we did with The Mandalorian. You know, we were we were very <laughs> excited about watching this show. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who watched it like five minutes after it dropped. <laughs> Again, He's like, on my phone. Yeah. Because it just right I, mean, I, was at, I was at work and awake. <laughs> Andrew was like, no spoilers for me. And like, we didn't even start the newscast yet. Or like, I saw the first episode. <laughs> like, Adrian, it is 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it dropped at 3. Yeah, it worked out perfectly. Uh, Also on HBO Max, uh, me and my me and my oldest son, Julian, we're powering through the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm rewatching it. He's watching it for the first time. Um, It's just it's really great. Even still, like they're having conversations that back then that they're still having today. Like last time I talked, they were uh, they did an episode where Carlton and Will get pulled over by a cop and it's that whole dynamic of being pulled over by a white police officer. And it was just mm-hmm. so interesting because of, obvi- of the obvious climate we're in now. Um, this one was talking about the curriculum of black history when Aunt Viv comes to teach at the school. Um, but it's just it's really cool to see my son enjoying a show from so long. What is it? 30 years now. They just yeah, celebrated 30, 30, years, yeah. 30 years. Crazy. Um and it was nice to see cameos. We just finished the first season, uh, Queen Latifah, uh, mm-hmm. a really, really young Queen Latifah, and uh, Tisha Campbell. Matt, you may not know who she is. Nope. Matt, do you know? It's <laughs> Gina from. Ah, I knew you would know. Gina from who? Gina from Martin. Martin Lawrence show. Another great 90s sitcom. Another no. great show. Absolutely. Sorry. It's over my head right now. I'm not knowing who you're talking about. At <laughs> this rate, it's going to be on some streaming service pretty soon. At the oh, rate of all that. So, yeah. Um, but other than Tenet, that's all I got, Matt. What you got? All right. Um, like we just discussed, I saw The Social Dilemma as well. And the only thing I actually watched this week was uh, Ernesto, a movie that you saw quite a bit ago, uh, Uncut Gems on Netflix, 
with uh, okay. Adam Sandler. Uh, Adrian, did you ever catch? Did I never saw that? it. I know it's on Netflix. I never, yeah. never got to that one. Uh, it's the best way to describe that movie is uh, chaos. It's just <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it's just like it's Adam Sandler screaming at the top of his lungs for two hours. That's wow. what what that is. Okay. What did you say, Ernesto? Did you not enjoy the movie? I enjoyed the last hour of the movie. What? Yeah. Okay. You I he I thought his performance was pretty good. I mean, it's and, I mean and, I'm like, and that and the ending of that film. I'm not going to say anything, but the ending right. of the film. The the ending I I saw coming once like everything was set in motion and I saw what they were doing then I had like yeah okay I see where they're going with this like I kind of called it a little bit before it happened but the the yeah it, it's just I feel like the first hour of the movie was just chaos and then the second <laughs> half of the movie was controlled chaos because okay. then I I understood what was happening of why the chaos in the first hour was why, happening why it was doing yes okay. why screaming I mean, oh I understand why screaming yeah. I understand now I get it now it sounds um, interesting yeah it is interesting uh, it just it, some parts kind of go a little bit too far for me and I'm like oh, I don't sure if we should have done that uh, but I <laughs> ultimately like I I understood where like i said after the first hour i kind of got a gauge of like okay i there's a story in place because there's some part there's some part of it i'm like i don't understand the story um mm. and then kevin garnett is in it and he plays a right. big role in the movie yeah he's, he's um, a big part of that movie he's a big yeah. part of that and movie. the weekend's in it too right yeah he is yep. yeah yep. not as big as kevin garnett but you know he definitely has a, a, a decent it's, role in it okay and so is uh, Le- uh lakeith stanfield from yep. uh, okay Mm-hmm. He's great. He's in there. Yeah, uh, and Dia Menzel, who, who's the voice of, uh, of right. um, Elsie in yep. Frozen, she's in it. She plays uh, uh, Adam Sandler's wife. And okay. so, like, it was like after seeing it, like, I it, it was a good movie. Like, but like as I was watching it, like the first hour, I'm like, I really don't understand. Like, I don't know where the story is going, and therefore I was frustrated. And then with the the constant yelling, I'm just like, this is this movie just loud. Mm-hmm. And so, but now after like after the story started to take take shape then uh, there was a, a part of where like there was tension built there was a little bit of suspense building up i'm like okay i understand what we're doing i can appreciate the rest of this movie so i recommend it but i go in there with caution because it's got it, it it's, it's kind of like not maybe not for everybody gotta be um, in the right zone exactly yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's down. all that's all i've been watching really uh, and i've also like i said uh, last week i'm kind of plowing through parks and rec i'm about season four episode 12 so about halfway through the fourth season. So I'm really enjoying uh, kind of binging through all that. Um, nice. But yeah, that's all I've been watching. Uh, so now as we uh, discussed all that, now we're going to get to the meat of this. <laughs> and I know we have a lot to say about this. Uh, Tenant. Tenant is yeah. now in theater. We got to the theater. Um, uh, Adrian, before we, uh, you know, we kind of dive in last week, you kind of talked about our experiences we, you know, Ernesto went to the theater and he saw New Mutants. I went to a drive-in and I saw New Mutants and we kind of talked about experience. So before we talk about Tenant, the movie, how was it, how did it feel to go back into the theater after this long time? Um, it didn't feel too, it was weird. There was no one there, um, you know, but I was used to that when I had movie pass and I would roll in at like 1130 on a random Tuesday or Wednesday to just go see, like one of the movies I remember seeing was Pacific Rim Uprising. Right. Whatever that movie was called, and no one else was in the theater, and I fell asleep for 45 minutes, and <laughs> woke back up, and I was like, well, this movie didn't capture my attention, but I had movie pass. Um, so it sort of felt like that. There were only, 
three other people in the theater I was in. So I was at the Regal in Winter Park Village. Um, they were all together and they were sitting in the very back row of the theater. And I was up toward the front, um, not in like the low, low seats, but right when you come up to the riser, I was in that first row of mm. risers. Um, and so, I mean, I was like 50, 60, 70 feet away from them. Um, the closest person I came in contact to was the guy who like scanned my um my ticket on my phone and that was still from like two feet away so yeah it didn't feel i mean it was the this was the only movie um that is that was coming out came out whatever that i that i kept telling myself as you guys know like i need to see this in the theater right um most other movies i don't care i will watch them on a tv in 720 and it won't bother me um (laughs) But a Nolan film, when he specifically is shooting it in 70, like, I just want to see that and yeah. and see how it comes together. So, yeah. Did you see it in IMAX or did you see it? Like, I normal? did not. No, okay. I saw it in just a normal, a yeah. normal theater. Um, but again, where I was sitting and the way the theater was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, with my experience, we actually ran over to a separate theater because we mm. felt like the theater we were about to walk into was a little bit crowded for our taste we try to pick a smaller theater and hopefully no one was gonna you know uh you know hopefully we're gonna get the theater to ourselves you know, we were keeping an eye on the on the app and it was fairly empty for the most part i mean hell we booked our tickets 45 minutes before the movie started we then okay. noticed there was another couple sitting about two seats next to us or another group of two and then right before you know the movie started there was another couple that we noticed on the app that was also coming in another pair of two mm. so we didn't felt like you know with a small theater and there's gonna be six of us in it didn't feel as comfortable and so I noticed that the AMC down the road was starting in 15 minutes and that was completely empty. So okay. then we kind of like got a refund for Regal and we booked our asses over down the road <laughs> wow. to uh, to get to the AMC. And that was a more pleasurable experience. There was a, a party of two that were sitting like it was like it was a bigger theater uh, uh, than the one that we were going to go to in Regal. So it was like a party of two that was sitting like on the corner left. And then we pick seats on the very last row in the corner right. So there was a, okay. a, a large distance between us. And like you yeah. were saying, the closest we ever got to somebody was when someone's scanning your ticket. And and that was about it. So we felt fairly comfortable uh, throughout the whole experience. The other party, what we noticed, they were kind of eating during the beginning, but they put their masks on when they were done. And then, you know, with a two and a half hour movie, you're kind of hoping that eventually they'll put it on. They did. So we were, you know, right. uh, we were, we were happy with that. But but yeah, so that was our my, you know, our experience going back into the theater. Um, this was the first time and probably likely the only time I can see myself, like you were saying, Adrian, was like, I need to see this movie in theaters. This is this is Christopher Nolan. He mm-hmm. puts a lot of effort into making sure you get a nice theater experience. And I felt like that needed to be in theater. Anything else? Probably for me, like the next one I can probably see myself going to is Black Widow, if they're even keeping that release date in November. Mm-hmm. But if that gets pushed back, there's not a lot of movies that I can see myself needing to go to the theater for. I can probably wait to see that at home, like you were saying. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, what, what were your thoughts on Tenet? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so in short, Tenet is awesome um, yeah. <laughs> for me. I, I thought it was great. Um, the the feeling, the it's hard to explain. So um, I was trying to tell Ernesto this a little bit earlier today. The... I've seen so many Nolan movies at this point that you know you know what he's doing. Like you don't know exactly where he's going, but at some point you either catch on to the story or you stay completely confused. 
Right. Um, when I remember watching the prestige for the first time and I had no idea. I love that movie, by the way. Um, but I didn't know <laughs> I, I was hooked through the end and didn't get the reveal until the end. Never even crossed Same. my mind. Right. Um, with Tenet from relatively early on and the whole movie, like for two hours is the first two hours of the movie is basically an exposition of the world that we are living in. Like, it's just a lot. The dialogue is all driven about trying to explain what is happening. Right. Yes. Um, and early, like the, the first hallway scene. So the first time you see a person get inverted yes, and that first fight scene goes down, I knew what was happening long before the reveal. And so, um, it was still good to see the reveal and the mechanics of how they shot this movie <laughs> were absolutely amazing, but I didn't have the same feeling that I did like the first time I watched inception and watched the city fold in on itself and, and be, and maybe it's that the dream world was even easier or not easier. It was, um, it was easier to understand cause they were just like, it was a short explainer. It was like, we're going into a dream now we're going to go into a second dream. And when we're in that second dream, what was 10 minutes is really going to be 10 hours. And then right. when we get into the yeah. third dream, that 10 hours is going to be 10 years. There's nothing like that here. No. It's, just like, <laughs> it's just like, hold on. This dude just ate a cyanide pill. And now he's waking up on this crazy boat in the middle of the water. And what is happening? Um, and that's the fun. It's the fun of the movie for sure. Um, but I didn't find it. I don't know. It, it felt um, there was never really an emotional connection for me in the movie. Um, I loved the interactions between uh, the protagonist and Neil. That relationship yes. is probably the most um, rewarding in the entire movie. Um, it, all around, I loved it, but it, it definitely didn't have the same feeling for me as some of the other times that I've watched a Nolan film for the first time. Yeah, I can agree with that. There is, I agree with you that I felt like there was a disconnect with the characters. This movie is so plot heavy that when it comes down to actually caring about the characters and what they're doing, it, I I don't feel the same way as if, you know, like you have a movie like Interstellar where the whole shoehorn of that movie for Matthew McConaughey is to be back with his family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you have uh, for for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Inception, he wants to get back to his children. There's like that thin there's a through line there. And I felt like yep. the tenant. You know, and, and by the way, if we didn't mention before, this is a spoiler review. I know this is given, but we're just mentioning it now. They know by now, yes. <laughs> um, you know, with I try with, to keep it relatively spoiler free. Yeah, oh, no, no, you can no, let's open up like, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah, this is a spoiler review here. Um, so with uh, with Kate's character, Cat, Cat, Kate, Cat's Cat. character. Yeah, yeah. Cat. You know, that was that that was our through line was that she wants to get back to her son. She wants to be with her son. I guess Nolan really likes to write stories about being back with family. And so that's kind of like, that's your, that's your only human connection. The rest of the movie was me trying to figure out the plot. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, and so I, I do agree with you. There was a disconnect with the characters. And Esther, where, where, where are your thoughts on it? I thought the movie was great. I mean, I was fortunate enough to see it twice. The first time I saw it digitally. And the second time I actually got to go watch it 
in Dolby, of course. And it was absolutely insane. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause even to me, the digital showing, I like, I could feel the bass, like I could feel right. the sound. And in Dolby, you know, it was just cranked up by a hundred, <laughs> yeah. by a thousand percent. <clears throat> but I liked that the movie, you know, obviously had a lot to do with like physics and that like, it's not like science, apparently it's not scientifically accurate, but it is grounded in some credible physics. Um, sure. He, he actually hired Kip Thorne, uh, the theoretical physical physicist, who he used for Interstellar, he used on this film as well. So I think maybe, like, it's just, it's it's smart. It's a smart movie. Like, you just yes. really have to, you have to pay attention 100% of the time. Now, I will say, as typical for any Nolan film, like, I got way more the second time around than I did the first time around. Like, I got it. I got most, like, I got the whole through line of it, but I like that I was able to go back and pick up little key details and like little things that he he hinted at us like right in front of our face the whole time like prime example is neil like you know the whole backpack thing like they show you that right in the beginning of the of the scene in the opera when he's running out of the theater you know you see the backpack with the little um i don't like, know what it's that. like a red uh it's like a, a red, red string on it with like a little mm-hmm. with like a little medallion on the end of it yeah and, you know that's the key factor that you know that it's him you know you don't get that connection until the very end but right. you know, you see it. You see it there. Um, you see it where there was somewhere else too. I don't remember where. But somewhere else like, before the end. Yeah, it was somewhere else before the end. And it was right before they. Uh, you know, well, they had the ending of the movie where we find out that it's he's the owner of that red string. But right before it, there was like you know the bomb was about to go off. I believe mm-hmm. uh, there was like a Russian who was about to set it off, and then yep. you know uh, the protagonist saw the red the red string, and then right. he was able to you know I guess Neil that we later find out took the bullet and stuff like that. So so yeah, so like there was like a next indication that the red string guy is involved somehow. But so, yeah. so that's the that's the weird thing about this movie, and I, I can imagine. Obviously, if you see that placed at the front when you go into the second review, but because again, because of what I'm so the hallway scene, um, when the the second he's fighting, like there's nothing to indicate that it's him at that right. point. You're you're just no. fighting a dude all in black, whatever. Um, it's kind of crazy. I love the way it's set up where he like recognizes and like first sees the the bullets going back through the window like the holes filling back up and it's like you just feel the tension and then all of a sudden the thing spins around it's like i mean it's immediate um which is great timing and editing but the fact when he leaves and it's also weird because at first i thought he got sucked into the engine yeah so So it's also great to see on the back end that that's not at all what it was, that it was really just the inverse. Um, But when the sort of look on Neil's face and he said he let him go, like you don't see, he says he takes, he He took care of it. You you hear him say that, but you also know that he did, like there was something there. There was something that triggered for me. I was like, that's got to be one of them. That was my initial thought. Correct. So then I went through the entire rest of the movie. It's like, it's either Neil or it's the protagonist. More than likely, it's the protagonist. But either, what, because they said it was the same guy. One guy forward, one guy back. It's like, more than likely, he's yes. fighting himself. So right. I went through the rest of the movie with that vein. And so when we got to that end scene, when they're, when they're underneath 
um, and the splinter group goes under um, and Neil's trying to warn them or you find out later that Neil's trying to warn them right. um, from the blue side and all that kind of stuff. I saw the red. I was like, that's got to be Neil. And I didn't even know at that point that it's him. Like it just made sense that one of them had to be there and they had never shown anything in red or that red, like the protagonist never had a backpack. He never had anything exactly. that would right. be there. Yeah. So then it's confirmed later that it was him. The way that whole thing was done was great. Um, the red team, blue team, the 10 minutes yes, I thought yes. was just really, really cool. Um, and the, the opening scene, just going back to that, the, um, the only movie that's close to this that I can relate it to was that crazy six underground that Netflix made. Oh, <laughs> literally not in, not in a good movie way. So I don't, yeah, I'm not trying to equate it in that way, but six underground 13 seconds into the movie, you are in action mode and it never lets off the gas. And I felt oh. like in this movie, it was the same way. Like, you know, they're sitting there, they're in the black vans. You sort of see the the opera house and the dude turns around to like wake the Americans up and he like sits up and they're in go mode. And right. like that movie is, it's just, it's on. And so um, I feel like I got into it really fast, um, which helped. Like, I'm glad that it wasn't a slow, slow burn to get to yeah. just real craziness, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I thought it was really good. Um, Michael Caine, um, his little <laughs> Brief cameo, his little one scene was, was great. Um, I actually sort of wished that there was not the cat character and, mm. or at least not built in the way that she was like, she was basically the foil in order to get to, um, Sador. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there was probably just a better way to do that without having her only be with like only have have like this emotional tie to the kid. It just felt forced. Right. Uh, and maybe it was just the easiest way to do it. Um, the, the one thing I'll say that, so even though I, I sort of figured out during the hallway and toward the end, the thing that I didn't connect to until she was back on the boat, heading toward the yacht with the yeah. other guy, I was like, Oh my God, she's the woman. Like right. I'd completely forgotten about that scene. And that was super gratifying that there was enough there to take my mind away from that. And so it was a really pleasant surprise to be like, Oh my God, like she is free. That's amazing. Like, and then to watch it play out, um, I thought it was really good. So, yeah, you know, you make a good point because I watched about two, like two to three videos after I saw this movie and I didn't, I did not pick up on the fact that, there was a whole storyline because there was so much other shit going on in this movie. I yeah. completely <laughs> forgot that. Oh yeah. You didn't like your husband at one point because you thought he was cheating on you. And little, yep. little did we find out that you were, you caused your own, uh, 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 de uh depression or uh, what's, what's the word you called, you caused your own pain. Like, yep. because, because she, you saw another woman jump off, but I'm assuming that when, I guess the past Kate and the kid went on the boat. There was nobody there. Correct. Yeah. And then the, um, the she, past... makes, she makes a mention. She makes a mention. Yeah. In the be so I didn't catch it until the second time around. Okay. She makes a mention in the beginning around the time that she meets the protagonist that she hasn't seen him since she saw that the woman dive off the boat. 
Okay, but right. But then but then that's when that one died. But then the other. But then obviously she re, she interacts with she catches up to the present day one. Afterwards. Right. So where was past Seder in that moment? Because future future Seder and future cat were on the boat, and so future Seder died, and future cat jumped off the boat. Where was past Seder? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, is is there a different one? I, I or, believe so or because is, or do they want you to believe the mantra that um, Pattinson uses through the whole movie that what happens happened? Right. I, I feel mean, like that's what it is. <laughs> he always likes to connect everything. You know so. what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was he was always there. He was always not, except the only thing that would be weird about that. And this is what happens when you start trying to when you start yes. parsing out the plot um, is that he said, oh, well, where would he be? Where would he do this? And he's right. like asking Kat. She said the moment when we were off the coast of Vietnam, like that was the last place. He's like, oh, that's where he's going to do it. Like that's where he's going to trigger. Um, but then you get to the boat. I, so I don't think that's future Seder. He's there. He's on the boat. He's going to do it. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's just the same guy. Or maybe that's not. the loop. That's the loop. That's right. his end. That's yeah. the end of his loop. Because also Seder's plot is very simple as much as everything else is complicated Seder's <laughs> like yeah i know right Seder's like i'm gonna die i have cancer so since i'm dead the whole world's gonna die i'm like right. okay that's pretty simple to follow along yeah so my understanding was that the future Seder went back to that moment because that was where he was the most happiest to see past kate but he was also implementing a plan to destroy the world in the process because he was close to dying so he was going to destroy the world where he was the most happiest but where his plan got foiled was that he didn't know that was past kate cat that was future cat that ended up killing him that's what i got out of that okay so yeah Hmm. but i mean yeah i've only seen the movie once and i'm and and here's my thought i like the movie but and i felt the same way i felt about this movie that i did about interstellar Interstellar, I didn't get. So therefore, the whole movie, I was trying to understand it, and I didn't appreciate the film for what it was. And I under, I like some parts, but not all of it. The second time I watched Interstellar, I loved it because mm-hmm. I felt like all the surprises were kind of gone, and I'm trying to piece together what the story is and trying to close all the loops and trying to get my own understanding for the movie. And this is how I feel about Tenet. The first hour and a bit of this movie, I was just sitting there being like, what the fuck is going on i'm mm-hmm. just like i'm just sitting there and i'm just like i'm trying really hard nolan to put pieces together but you're making it very difficult for me to understand this movie and therefore there's a disconnect because you are trying to you know get to this movie but then you also have then when the inversion started happening and things started making a little bit of sense that's when i had a better appreciation for the movie and that's when Got i started it. really enjoying the film for, for what it is. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be, I think, it. you know, I've seen inception like six times. Right. Uh, and each time <laughs> you get a little more out of it. So I yes. feel like this is just one of those ones that you, you have to watch again. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it on the first run. Like I said, there are things that I could pick apart about it. Um, it was gorgeous. The, the sound, like the way the sound thumps you and sort of moves you through. I thought John David Washington was uh, outstanding. Um, I really liked Robert Pattinson. And if this is the closest thing that Nolan is going to do to a Bond movie, um, I think he nailed it. It's a, it's a great spy thriller. 
um, the messing with time, the way that the mirror images, um, mm -hmm. the one guy who explains it is like, well, if you don't see yourself over there coming out, then you didn't make it. Kind of right. Like, yeah. <laughs> just these, these little things and like following the ball and how it all came together, I thought was, um, was really well done. It was just fun. And it was, I'm glad that I was able to see it um, in a theater in, in the way that it was supposed to be. So I got to leave it at that though. I got to run. No worries, no worries. No, no worries. Well, once again, yeah. uh, Adrian, thanks again for coming on the show. Your thoughts on Tenet, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for stopping by. We absolutely. we loved having you. Um, yes. Hope you, when you move, you can come back on. We can for make sure. it work, make it yeah, happen. We'll figure out a way. All, All right, right thanks for coming, All right, for coming on to the show. Really right, appreciate it. No problem. It. Thanks, guys. All right, see ya. Bye. All right, bye. So as we say goodbye to Adrian, we knew prior to starting this record, we knew we were a little bit of a time crunch. So we were trying to pack in as much as we can before he needed to leave. Uh, so again, thank you, Adrian, for coming onto the show. And like we mentioned earlier in the show, Ernesto, he's a very busy guy. He's moving. He has a yeah. kid on the way. And he, he was able to give us, uh, you know, as much time as he could to be with us today and talk about. Thankful tenor. for what we got. Exactly. We are thankful. But I, we still have a lot to, more to say about Tenant. So I guess we're calling this part two of our review, of our spoiler yeah. review of, of Tenant of sorts. Uh, so, you know, Adrian kind of said his words and we kind of got his thoughts that he really enjoyed this movie. And I think we were kind of all on the same page that you really need to see this movie a second, a third, a fourth time, kind of like all of his other movies, to really get a clear understanding of like what he is trying to put into it. So with that, we're kind of, we want to, there was a couple more points we wanted to uh, address in this movie as Adrian was leaving. So again, this is kind of like part two of our spoiler review. So Ernesto, where, where do you want to kind of pick up on? Where, where was your moments of like, you really want to hit this point of what makes this movie what it is? Well, I, I kind of like what I mentioned before when, um, you know, that the movie is grounded incredible like it's actually grounded in physics which right. i really like i really enjoyed the fact that him as a creator like he could have easily just like did like a bullshit explanation you know what i mean like all right yeah. and this is just this is whatever works no he took like actual physics that we know and tried to and obviously put a little his little creative spin on it to make right. it in, to make it interesting so it's it's almost like you get to learn and you, you get enjoyment, but you also get some education in there, too, which I thought was really nice. Like, and not like, you know, this is like high level stuff, at least for me. You know, I'm not I'm not a physics major like this. Like it took me. I had to look all this shit up and we're going to link. We of have course. a bunch of article. We have a bunch of articles and videos and stuff that we're going to link in the description that kind of helped us talk about this stuff. So the first thing yeah. is. um like the whole idea of entropy, like how you can reverse engineer, you can invert an object. And obviously they learn that you can invert a person. You know, I loved how like it's it, it like he talks about that's how they explain that things happen. But you still have to make that initial movement, like how they show when the ladies explain to him with the bullet, like you still have to make that initial movement as if you were going to pick it up. Right. Like you still have exactly. to you still you as a person still have to make the effort like you still have to make the initial effort. It's like the same thing with the bullet coming back in the gun. You have to, I guess, unpull the trigger in order right. or pull the trigger to bring the bullet back. You have to make that initial distinction. 
So, I mean, there's the so the um, Screen Rant did this whole they broke it all down. So they talk about the entropy, which is the the um, about the objects. Uh, they talk about the whole theoretical theoretical physics just in general. Just you know, Robert Pattinson he he kind of mentions it in a throwaway line when he talks about electrons and neutrons and like yeah. um, you know. I don't want to get too into it because yeah. I'm I'm not a I'm not a physicist. So. <laughs> we're box uh, office major, damn it. <laughs> exactly, we're movie non-experts. Yeah, yeah. We're just, we're good at we're good at looking shit up. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we can barely get the movie review right, let alone to understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, they really break down the algorithm and the whole the whole annihilation. Like what? Because I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. It took me a minute to figure out like what the purpose of the nine of what the nine pieces are and what they mean and what what happens when they come together. So when it talks about that, it basically it's like a huge turnstile that instead of you inverting that one object or that one person, you would initially. Um, invert the entire world which when you do that is what would cause annihilation and the whole world would go right you get um yeah so there's that uh what, what did you what about you matt well i i kind of like you know i like i said i was watching and reading as much as we're trying to do in our homework we're trying to understand tenant and what i got the the most you know robert pattinson's character neil he's he was in on it the whole time he even said at the end of the movie like you know, you, the protagonist, are the one who recruited me in the future. And so you have that as well as you have, um, like, he was telling him that, you know, our friendship here is ending. But for me, but it's just beginning for you. And I I, I was getting a lot of uh, John Connor vibes from mm-hmm. the Terminator movie. Like, that's kind of like what I kind of got from his character. He was uh, a man sent from the future to help connect the the past. And But not only was he doing it once, he was doing it multiple times. So yeah. you had him uh, kind of going into different parts of time to invert himself to get to, like, certain parts of... Uh, I guess the protagonist's life to make sure that he is safe, make sure he is intact, make sure the plan's still intact, and then later the protagonist, the protagonist himself, is also doing the same thing to protect the past protagonist. Well, there's a there's a theory out there. The reason why he's so connected to him, not only that they knew each other then, but that he's actually the little boy. What little boy? He's he's Cat's little boy. What? No way. I mean, that's not confirmed, but it was yeah. a it's 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 a it's a tinfoil hat theory that's out on the internet. You could look it up if you want to. Um, but I think it's interesting. I could see I could see that. I could see that being grounded. A tenant really likes to not tenant, I'm sorry. Nolan really likes to You're tie right. things together and it kind of would play into the tenant theme where like everything is connected or the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. Right, right. And that's kind of like, like I said earlier, like, you know, the fact that, you know, I, the the first half of the movie is me trying to understand it. And then, you know, once we get into like the inversion and I feel like they were like in that moment where you have like, 
you know, this is what's happening. Here's this inversion technology to get you through there. And they kind of pull the curtain back. And then you kind of got like a, uh, you know, trying to relate it to other time travel movies like Back to the Future Part 2, where Back to the Future Part 1 is the first half of Tenet. And then Part 2, you see Marty McFly going to back to 19, 1955 to prevent other things that are happening. And so at this point, when the second half of the movie, the protagonist has a different agenda and you're seeing how things that might've confused you in the first movie have meaning in the second movie. In this case, things that confused you in the first part had meaning in the second part and second part of the movie. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting because that's like the whole, that tenant theme even plays into how the, the story is structured because the first half of the movie, you're going forward. And literally the yes. second half of the movie is about you going backwards. Right. And I actually really enjoyed like when they got to the back. Like literally, I, like, I was like kind of chilling. And then when the whole version thing happened, I kind of like sat up a little like, wait a minute. Okay, we're finally getting some details. All right. <laughs> There we go. Now I'm understanding some things. And then, like, it was really cool to see kind of like, you know, the, he had to have uh, the air. The, the air was different in the inversion. So you had to, like, have that. And, like, you can say they shot. That. Yeah. I love the cinematography in that. Like, just watching the birds go in reverse, watching yes. the smoke, like, go, I guess, go back into the ground. Yeah. And also, like, when he took a step, like, it was backwards. So, like, you see his his foot down and then go up, but he also stepped in a puddle. So you can saw that kind of going in reverse as well. Yeah. And dealing with having to go like learning how to drive through that. Like, yes. And like, it, it was weird. Cause like the, the forward scene, and this is, I, I liked how they did these very closely is that you had the protagonist and Neil and like everyone going through like this car chase scene and you're seeing some things kind of like, inverted and you as the audience are trying to figure this out and then not but 10 minutes later we get into the inversion part of it and then we get to see that same scene played out but from a different perspective to give you more I love that what's going on i love i love when they do stuff late like you're yeah. getting you're getting the whole picture of that entire moment but you're just right. seeing it from a different from a different set of eyes and and i liked how we got that very close together because like that scene is very fresh in our minds because we just saw it and therefore we're seeing that again almost immediately. And so like you get that what was going on in that full uh, thing. And then uh, and then, you know, we like Adrian was mentioning earlier was that you had him fighting himself and we get to see the other half of that fight. And it was kind of cool kind of seeing it in a different different area. And I had a feeling like Adrian was saying, like when Robert Pattinson said that he let this guy go. I had a feeling that it was either um, uh, Neil himself or the protagonist. We later find out that it is the protagonist because, uh, you know, how the events played out. But it was just kind of cool that the things that you thought were weird or didn't really make much sense, at least for those specific parts of the movie, we got some clarity on it. And just kind of just the idea of like, okay, so we are going – we were going forward in time. Then we are like literally going backwards in time, minute for minute, almost. So, you know, when you have that time travel moment and like, you know, especially again, going back to Back to the Future, because, you know, Ernesto, that's my favorite movie um, that that when, you know, when you the time travel part is instantaneous, like you, you're in the DeLorean. And the next thing you see is going from, you know, 1985 to 1955 or 1985 to 2015. Like it's instantaneous. I felt like with Tenant that the inversion was the in-between of time travel. Like, yeah. 
it's like a beat by beat version or a minute by minute version of you your yourself time traveling back in time so like when they enter the inversion and you see all the the, the elements playing out in reverse and then you know, it goes back to the plane crash scene and when they're underneath the that area and then you kind of see them going back back into the forward timeline. And then at that point, they're like, we are two days in the past. And so, like, you kind of see that transition within time. And I th- and I thought that's a very interesting thing that I'd never seen before. And Nolan kind of took that grounded idea and put it on the big screen. So that part I really enjoyed out of probably anything I've liked in this movie. But I think the but their his take on time travel was different. Right. Oh no, it, oh yeah. Like it was like it was time travel, but it also like it was a, a totally different take and experience on what we think time travel could could be. Like yes. kind of like the difference like what you kind of explained that in between, I think that is that is the time travel. Like that's mm-hmm. just you that's that's you doing it. You are the DeLorean going back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I really liked it. I, I like the movie. It it was there's a lot to just unpack from it, and I think that's the disconnect for me. Um I the movie did the you know, the movie started out doing a good job of like really trying to give you information, especially with, with the bullet idea. Like they started out small and then got big, you, you know, like that's kind of like with any movie that he did. Um, I also, I mean, let's, let's talk about that, um, that airplane scene. Yeah. The fact that he actually bought a Boeing 737 and blew it up, crashed it and blew it up like that. <laughs> like, but I mean, he's all he's known for really loving. I mean, he's great with pra- practical effects. Look, yep. you think of the the um, the scene in the beginning of Inception, when all when all, the water comes pouring into that room, or yep. the hallway fight scene with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really likes to use practical effects, and like the fact that like here's this nice, beautiful plane, we're gonna blow it up. <laughs> yeah, they actually I found an article on um on IndieWire where, you know, originally he had planned to use set miniatures and use between that and visual, visual effects. He told uh, total film magazine, but you know, when they were scouting locations, they, he found a mass array of old planes. Right. And he ran the numbers. Apparently it was cheaper to buy the plane than to, <laughs> than to build the miniatures. So so it's cheaper and it was probably more fun. Like, you know, oh, yeah. forget build the models. I'm going to blow up a plane. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I, I mean, you know, I, you know, you said it's cheaper. That kind of makes sense because they were able to be on location as like a plane was on fire or just like a massive plane there. And so you're able to do a lot of scenes within that time. And hell, I mean, I mean, talk about time saving. They we saw that scene twice. So, like, they were yeah. able to do it one way and then do it another way. So that definitely, like, as far as, like, location-wise and time-wise, you can probably spend a couple of days uh, and you got, like, a good 40 minutes of the movie right there. It doesn't say, but how many planes do you think he bought? I, like, I, how many? Because was it one plane and then they just – they did, like, a mass shooting? I mean, but you, you got to have a backup because then what if that one doesn't go off right or what if something happens? You at least got to have a few of them. I, I, I think it's a one and done. I've seen I've seen many behind the scenes where they're like, we have one train and we just got to do it right. 
this is it. Like we, this is, it's intense. Like you have one moment to not screw it up. So let's not do that. You know, make sure everything's in place. Make sure all the logistics are great before you got one shot of seeing this plane explode. So you better do it right. And also like, you know, the timing of it all at the time, they're probably at a time crunch to get this movie out. So like you don't have time to find a new plane and to get a new plane. Hangar. (laughs) Exactly. We don't have time for that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so you really got to make it a one and done, but I, I liked how like those big moments, it wasn't just a big moment for the scene. It was a big moment for the movie because we went back to it. Be like, you can tell this was a pivotal point in the film that not only did we see it one way go down, but then the plot made it like, oh shit, you know where we need to go back to? That one airplane scene. And it's like, you know, when we were down by the bunker, we got to go back there again. And so it just kind of gives weight to the movie of like, you know, kind of going full circle with it all. And I kind of wonder if, you know, it's weird because you do you think like the protagonist knew the second time around? Well, obviously you saw his face, uh, but obviously like he knew that, oh, shit, that I'm, I was fighting myself. Like at some point he had to have realized that as they were on their way to go to the bunker that like I need to fight myself right now. I think he probably realized once he ran or maybe he didn't realize until right before he went. I guess he ran underneath that um the thing that the thing you know what what they perceived as him escaping was actually him going in right you know i think once he hit that point or at least maybe when he went into the hangar he knew that that was going to be him right like he oh like oh shit i forgot about this and now i gotta go fight myself and it was and the only reason they did all that was so they can save cat because she got shot with an inverted bullet yeah, they were trying to stop. They were trying to stop the spread of her, reverse her, her herself being sh- like herself dying, I guess. Yeah. See, and then see, and that also, um, you know, we mentioned before that Neil might be his mom. Think about like how much extra care he really at that at that point he was like really taking a lot of care of her. Right. You know, so who knows? Maybe it is his mom. I yeah, really man. love that theory. I wasn't thinking good, about it. I, it's, it's a good, good theory. theory. Yeah, yeah, I like is. I like it. Um, and then you have Neil kind of just bouncing back through time. And it's funny because now looking back at the movie, uh, the protagonist was telling Neil, he's like, so it's time travel. He's like, no, it's inversion. Come on, kid, keep up. Little did he know. Yeah. He's like, you know, fuck you protagonist. I know yeah. all about this inversion nonsense. You can hide all the shit off from me. You want, don't yeah. worry. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> um, and then here's a the part that I was kind of confused about, which was the, the, the ending the red team, blue team situation. And I didn't understand, like, I understand they were both, like, so Seder with the car chase scene, he was able to use one team as, you know, normal time, the other team as inverted time to work together to kind of like get what they wanted. And then, you know, moving forward in the movie, that's what the good guys used to get, from saving the world like they had one team in inversion they had one team in normal and they're both going after the same goal but did did they call it a time pincer yes like a a pendulum pincer movement that's i uh, that's what the the video i saw this morning called it uh (laughs) because i would not have remembered that (laughs) Uh, the whole the whole movie is considered like a a pincer move yeah pretty much yeah and so like so, like, when you watched it the second time, did all that kind of make more sense to you of, like, 
and because also for me, it was kind of hard to keep up with the action because like things were moving so fast and I was really trying to pay attention to red team, blue team, but like with everything going on, like, I don't know, like I, like there's one point, like, because the editing was so quick. I'm like, I don't even know if this is inverted or this is moving forward. I, it, I just see chaos. So like, did, yeah. was it easier to follow along the second time around? A hundred percent because you're not enthralled by the massive uh, chaos that's ensuing. Like you're like, you've already seen like the building, explode and un unexplode and then re-explode again like yeah it's not it's cool but it's like oh i've already seen it now i can focus on like what's actually like what's actually happening in the scene you pick up on a lot more things uh, of course, during that yeah. time yeah it's like with any of nolan movies you really gotta like i wrote down like you gotta see this movie a second third fourth fifth time to really understand you know what is being told in this film and, and like and I and I felt like they try to do a good job of like explaining things, but ultimately he purposefully did not give you all the information, and that's what he that's what Nolan does. Like he he that's is his not way of storytelling. Yeah, every story he tells is is almost verbatim. Like you don't like you don't like and Adrian kind of hit on it a little bit earlier when he was talking about um like not getting the reveal like he didn't get he said he saw the big reveal but he was still caught off guard by the minor reveal right yeah so it's almost like that one was that maybe that one like was there to destroy like you maybe you were supposed to figure that one out so you wouldn't see the other one or vice right. versa or if you caught one then you didn't catch the other one the first time around i didn't catch either of them they both got me. <laughs> I felt like I caught the one where he was fighting himself earlier than that scene was coming. Once they said they were going back to the plane and and once the oh, like, yeah. version was happening, I was like, okay, I think he's fighting himself or even way back when all, all that. Uh the the twist that that uh that um ne- uh, Robert Pattinson Neil that he was there the whole time like from the beginning of the movie, that, that I didn't I, yeah, I didn't catch that because like in the video that I saw they said like, "Oh yeah, the red stripe was there at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, no, it wasn't. I don't remember yeah. any of that. Yeah, and and sure enough. When you like, see it, when you watch the movie, like you literally see like he saves him with that inverted bullet and then you say and then you see him run away with the backpack on and you see the red you see the red tag. The red like they tag. make it a point to show you. Right. Um there was they you know and then they kind of like uh, Adrian mentioned it with the pill, like you know, the whole the whole scene was a whole test to see if he's willing to like sacrifice himself himself and not give the information out. So then you saw like their protagonist kind of lunge forward after there was a guy who was like, you know, Hey, I have this pill to kill yourself, you know? And like, he, like the other guy that was being tortured, he got tipped over and then he put like the pill behind his back so he can eat it. Um, Megan said that that was Robert Pattinson. Did we see his face at all? Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to, that's a rewatch question. Yeah. <laughs> because Megan said like, Oh no, that was Neil the whole time. I'm like, no, it wasn't. She's like, yeah, it was. It was like, he had like that blondish hair and, uh, and you know, and we never saw his face. So I assume that that was just Neil being another, being another tentpole in his life to make sure that he, that his story moves forward and everything is going correct. And I was like, Oh man, I don't even know there's, if that's. There's also another theory that Sador was, um, that he used to be a part of the the tenant organization because at the I end of the movie he's holding the gray cyanide pill when he's on the right. boat. Yeah, I think I that I believe that. I totally believe that. There's 
like obviously he knew a lot that was going on and that we were led to believe like we think we just think he's some crazy guy but also his story is very like comic booky like his his through line is like yeah. i have cancer destroy the world that's 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 my well, thing. Cause he he linked he linked it with his relationship with cat like if nobody can't have you then if i can't have you then nobody can and if right. i have to die then the whole world has to die that's kind of crazy to think about. Like, that's a crazy thought of like, that's where your level of thinking is. And like, and then, and then like the reason why he was holding cat was for a, a forge painting. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, and you know, what's really interesting about the, the name of the painting, the name of the place where they held the, um, so they, they call it, it's called a Seder square. It's a Latin palindrome. It's oh. made up of five. It's made up of five words that can be read backward, forwards, upwards, and downwards. Wow. And guess what? Guess what these words are? Sator, uh, Arepo, which is the name of the Freeport place. Oh Tenet, yeah, yeah. Opera, Opera, and Rotas. Oh wow, wow. It's just a lot. Oh no, of I'm sorry. Arepo was the name of the forger. Rotas was the name of the Freeport. And oh, Sator okay. is obviously the bad guy, the billionaire, billionaire's last name, Tenet being the name of the film, and Opera being, you know, what started the movie. Right, the, right. Of trying to steal the algorithms. Yeah, it's 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 a lot to 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 comprehend. And so, like for for that, if I'm trying to like maybe wrap up anything about this movie, was that. It, I, I just feel like it's going to be a movie I'm going to later enjoy. But as a first viewing, because I felt there was a disconnect. And like, and also, like I mentioned earlier, like I didn't feel much for the characters of this movie. Like, I mean, I'm not sure if you felt the same way, Ernesto, but like I didn't really feel anything of like I didn't really care a lot about the characters. Like it was more just like how the plot was being gone through. And these were just people going through it i mean did you feel the same way did you care for these characters i didn't yes and no i didn't okay. care like like i cared about the protagonist character but i mean his name is the protagonist like he that's not i mean what is the fuck is his real name like yeah that's a good point <laughs> but i but i guess it doesn't i guess it didn't matter but him i didn't really con i connected with him and robert pattinson's uh relationship more than i cared about each of them individually right. but like neil like i think neil robin pattinson character i think he was the, uh, probably the standout in this film Agreed. and i love i love that you got to see robert pattinson like dressed up in the in the art gallery because you got a hint of what uh what he's gonna bring to batman yeah of course and, and there were some like good moments in there too and also like some like you know kind of hint on their relationship you had neil being like uh you know, he was telling him, he's like, I'll take a, a whatever. Like they were like sitting in some ballroom or some like. Uh, 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 oh, at the hotel lobby. At the, hotel, the lobby. Yes. Yeah. The hotel lobby. And he was like, I'll take a, a, a beer or whatever. And he's like, and he'll take a Diet Coke. And he's like, how do you know that? He's like, well, you don't drink on the job. And, and like it was just like those throwaway lines that actually meant something like way more like a, a small tease of like this is, you know, I've, I've known you for a long time, dude. Like, now, now, is it because they work together or is it because he grew up with him? <laughs> like, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> the theory's out. The theory's do you, out. I, do you think there'll be another one? Like another uh, tenant? I, I would love it, to see another one. I would love to. Yeah, I, I think that's easy. You can easily make them. Uh, there was another rumor that I saw 
that this could easily tie into the Inception universe. Like these two worlds can be very similar and the ideas that they have can, you know, be intertwined in somehow. It's almost like this movie takes place in the future of in- Inception. Like the what's happening is just gone even further than than what Inception was. So like I can I can buy that. You know, the same organization that Cobb and, and Inception was working for could be in the same dealings with the Tenet Corporation. So, like, I, I buy it. I can buy into that theory. Um, but as far as, like, if you said there should be a sequel for any of his standalone movies, you know, you have, like, there's no reason for a sequel for Prestige. I don't see a Correct. big sequel. I don't see a reason for a sequel for Inception or even Interstellar. Like, I think all Ooh. of those stories were kind of, for me anyway, like a bookend of, of, of each movie that he's done. Like, he's told a solid story. But Tenant leaves the door wide open for me. See, I agree with you. I do think Inception could be maybe not a continuation of Leonardo DiCaprio's story, but maybe another story. with. And I think I may have mentioned this when we did our, um, when we covered Nolan's other films, but like uh, another story within that universe. Right. Like give us another, give us another dream story, like yeah. another dream high story. Maybe he doesn't want to overdo it. I don't know. But it was, they all require that each of his movies, even if they don't, um, even if they don't necessarily have another one to follow up, the fact that you need to rewatch it to understand yes. it more just shows like the replayability. Like you can right. you can actually get more when you rewatch this the same piece of content that you've already watched. Correct. And I wouldn't say that this is one of my favorite Nolan movies. I feel like for me up there is Inception. And the only reason why I say that is because, well, Inception is a, a fantastic movie, as we've already said before. Yeah. But the fact that I was able to enjoy it and like I felt like I was able to enjoy the movie the first time around for what it was. Like I felt like mm-hmm. I was watching new things and there was enough that I understood the first time around that I was like, man, I really enjoy Like I felt like I enjoyed the whole ride where with Tenant, I felt like it was so ambiguous that I didn't enjoy it the whole way through. Now, the Mm. second time, I could really have a different opinion of the movie and a different appreciation for the movie, but just specifically talking about the first viewing, I didn't enjoy it the whole way through because I just felt like I was just trying to figure out what was happening. And I know that was the intent of Nolan, but that was like my disconnect for the movie. But I know his movies, and I know that going into it the second, third, fourth time around, I'll probably enjoy it a lot more like I did with Interstellar. Yeah, I I agree because I Inception is still out of all of them, Prestige and Inception are my are my favorite of his films. Yeah. But I but like if I had to rank it, I'd like this one more than I like Interstellar. Oh, oh okay, okay. Uh, I can see, see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I liked Interstellar and I appreciated it for what it for what it was, but as a story overall, I enjoyed Tenet more than i enjoyed interstellar yeah i think but i still appreciate but i still appreciate the film for what it is you know right no of course yeah and i feel like there's more like action beats in tenant than there is in interstellar there's more for me there's more to get excited about in tenant than it is in interstellar correct correct yeah there was like a more of a slow burn or slow build-up for interstellar to get you to those moments and then when we got those big moments you're like hooked into the story whereas tenant 
you got there from the beginning. The only thing that Interstellar has up on it, there's more of an emotional story behind Interstellar than there is in Tenet. Correct. They they took their time to really establish the relationship between Matthew McConaughey and his daughter um, at the beginning of the movie. Whereas this Tenet took the time, you know, that beginning half to try to explain what, you know, the inversion stuff is little by little. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I just feel like I need we I just need that second viewing. I need that second, third viewing to like really sit down and, and enjoy it. But like visually, I loved it. I mean, yeah, you got you I'm got a jaded. Lot. I'm jaded because I've already seen it twice. So I've already right. I already have that kind of appreciation. So it's hard for me to say like I didn't like it. But I do I did I did enjoy it more the second time around than I did the first time around. Of course, so. of course. So that's you know I, I think yeah we're we're saying this def, this definitely needs a second viewing. Go see it. <laughs> Go see it. Go yeah. watch it. <laughs> Go watch it. Um, anything else you want to add, uh, Ernesto? Uh, no, I think that's all I got. That's all we got. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. We want to you know like we mentioned uh, before, like we mentioned before, Adrian uh, had to kind of dip out early, and we understood that before starting. So. Uh, we would like to thank Adrian for coming back onto the show and spending the time that he had out of his busy schedule to come visit us and talk yeah. movies with us. And we really do appreciate that. We knew, though, that he is leaving us soon. And so we're really disappointed about that. So we really wanted to get him in here and just have this one little back and forth before he's able to go out. So um, thank you, Adrian, for coming on the show and talking yeah. movies with us. Um, if you want to follow him, I believe he's at Adrian Whitset on Instagram and kind of we'll going on his journey. We'll tag him in, into our Insta, uh, into our Instagram post uh, so you can follow his stuff if you want to continue along his journey. But we, you know, we do appreciate him coming on to the show. Um, if you want more from us, you can go to our Instagram page at box office underscore bingers. You will have movie showdown Mondays. You will have, uh, you know, sounds familiar. Uh, you know, we'll play a famous tune from a TV show or movie. You got to kind of guess it. We'll give you some fun facts a day later. We'll give you new to streaming. It's all there on our Instagram page at box office bingers. Next week, we have another special guest and we're going down another um, kind of their life and their rabbit hole. So we're really looking forward to having a Doss Brown coming on to the show next week. Yeah. It, she's also been a long time coming and she wanted to be on the show. And we wanted her. It was like a mutual decision, like to have us <laughs> to have her on the show. Uh, so we're really excited to have her on next week. So be sure to come back for that. Uh, again, thank you very much for listening. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya.